0: listening to the Traditional Outdoors podcast.
1: This episode of the Traditional Outdoors podcast is brought to you by St. Joe River Bows. If you're looking for a custom longbow or recurve, then St. Joe River Bows has you covered. St. Joe's is a family-owned company that specializes in traditional bows for the entire family. Plus their forward handle design powerful limbs, and unique wood and color combinations make St. Joe's the perfect choice for the budding or experienced archer or bow hunter. Tracy offers bow options for all members of the family from the youngest to the oldest, and they even offer a trade-in program on all youth bows so that as the little ones outgrow their bow, they can trade them in and use that towards the purchase of a bow that better fits their growing needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy are going to include a St. Joe River Bows t-shirt with any new bow purchased. Just mention that you heard about them while listening to this podcast. So when you're ready for a new bow, be sure to check out their website at stjoeriverbows.com or give Tracy a call at 517-617-3658 and be sure to tell them Traditional
0: Outdoors sent you. Now on to the show. Well, hello there, Mr. Nick. How you been, man? I'm a pretty good man, you know, surviving, uh, working a lot, you know, playing a lot, hanging out with the kids and the fam and and you know, got to take a got to take another trip up north, see the folks, uh, see my brother who was in from Virginia. I got a little my, my middle brother there. He was in from Virginia. Cool. And I, yeah, I got to hang out with him and man, it's been like over a year. Um and he drove up here and he had some leave from the National Science Foundation, so Um, The cool thing about that is that we got to, uh, we got to, he's got a long bow. He actually has a Bama bow back when Nate was still making bows. And, uh, you know, he brought it with him and we went and shot, you know, our neighbor Holly's course and, uh, you know, Matt kind of fell back into it and had a lot of fun with it and joked around a lot. Got the girls out there shooting a little bit. Mackenzie's, Mackenzie's outgrowing her bow already. So we're already talking to Dave and Tracy about another bow. Very cool. Um, yeah. And another, th- another cool thing happened too. Um, we, I actually play, you know, one of my hobby, anybody that follows me on Instagram or anything knows I like magic, the gathering, the card game I've been playing since I was a kid with my brother, um, and kind of got into it to play with him again. And, uh, very old school, traditional community there. And one of the guys on a discord started talking to me cause I always post archery picks in there and fishing picks and stuff, you know, in the, in the comfy general discord for that. And, one of the guys I know, Alan's got little kids, and he saw what I was doing, and his kids are stir-crazy from COVID, and he said, well, what will it take to get an archery? And I said, he goes, my kid's begging me for a bow, and I, I hooked him up with Tracy, gave gave him the call, uh, gave him the number. They called her. Man, they bought a bow within an hour, You know, said she's the nicest lady ever. Her and Dave were fantastic to him, sent everything they needed, and he's shooting in the backyard now. And, that is, that's awesome. Yeah, and now Alan wants a bow the the dad very cool. yeah so very cool man like you know there's and and a lot of people you know it's it's not too surprising but a lot of people saw saw that and said that's a real cool thing for a kid to do and you know I went into the whole spiel about how it's great for confidence and it's a good thing for them to do especially right now and not knowing what the school year is going to be like and it's it's just good for them to get outside and off TV and and you know they they guaranteed they'll be into it because every kid thinks it you know a bow is cool i mean at least to try it so um yeah man they're. it was a really really cool moment real cool that kind of made kind of made my year a little bit i think you know I- yeah
1: it's it that that's a cool story it's it's funny how the the things that you do outside of you know traditional archery or traditional hunting or or hunting in general fishing Um, And even the podcast, how you, you know, you meet and have some impact on people. And I actually wasn't even going to bring this up To you mentioned it. But, and you and I have talked about this a little bit. You know, I, so I was a big, big gamer, Mm -hmm. uh, online gamer for years um, and kind of got away from it. But recently... Within the last year or so, Blizzard announced that they were going to um, re-release the original World of Warcraft. God, I can't talk today. Mm-hmm. Um, and call it, you know, World of Warcraft Classic. Why am I having such a hard time with that word? <laughs> I, I don't Jeez. know, man, but <laughs> that was pretty uh, funny. <laughs> so if I, now if I share this with the, the guys that I play with, they're going to be laughing at me because I can't say World of Warcraft. For, there, I finally got it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so in when just before that was announced i had actually started um playing the game again on private servers so a lot of the a lot of the people that i'm playing with now i'd actually played with on the private servers and uh, big shout out to unfinished business that's the guild that i that i raid with and um it's surprising how many people that two things it's surprising how many people that play world of warcraft are also in somehow in the um computing industry so it somehow and the other thing is so there's a lot of them that you know are or spend a lot of time outdoors it may be hiking it may be camping it may be fishing or hunting um, but i've really been kind of surprised how many people that i've ran into now haven't had a story as good as yours yet i haven't uh, converted anybody over <laughs> to traditional archery that that is very cool but it's it's kind of fun to know the things that that you you know people do outside of you know the traditional archery or or the traditional bow hunting so that that's a that's an awesome story that's that's cool yeah when worlds
0: collide when worlds collide it's always really cool you know i i I, I always post fly fishing photos on there and stuff too and you got a lot of people who live out west that are big nature buffs and and you know a lot of them haven't even tried to do anything there other than hike and right you know it's it's not that hard to get started i haven't been doing it very long you just gotta just gotta make the commitment you know so
1: man, that's cool. So everybody doing uh, family doing OK? No, no issues other
0: than just no nope. tired of being cramped into the house. Probably. No, They're they're still my kids are still trying to kill each other every day. But, man, they're getting big. Um, they're they're just eating everything and growing like crazy. And they're super tall. And and I know they want to get they want to get going back to school. I mean, you can just tell. But the cool thing is that the neighbor, the neighbor girl, a friend of mine lives a few houses down and they got a, a little a little girl. Who is a little bit younger than Mackenzie, and she's been coming over, and the three of them have been playing together pretty much every day. So that really kind of mediates the two of them. I mean, you just can't be around your sibling that long, man. Like yeah. I, my brothers and I would have, I, I, I'm pretty sure one of us wouldn't have lived past youth <laughs> if that was the case. <laughs> well, but we actually we actually
1: took off and and uh, well. the 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 girls had a week vacation i think i ended up having like three or four days i worked from um from you know down on the coast we we tend to go to myrtle beach about every year and we we went a couple weeks ago like i said i worked for a few days from down there and the the girls took the whole week but it was good just to get away from the house and and at least see and do some different things and um, it's now been over two weeks, so we we didn't bring we didn't bring anything back with us. So nobody nobody came down with COVID or anything, which is good. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's part of the reason for the you know the gap since the last episode. I don't remember if I even mentioned that that I was going out of town or not. I try not to to raise too much awareness that I'm not going to be at home, especially these days. But. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was busy, um, and uh, you know, I wanted you and I to get on here and do a, a quick intro to this episode. Um, I, I'd kind of been lining this up and had been, you know, emailing recording or mailing recording equipment out um, to this individual, um, and it, you know, people that's looked at the show title already knows who I'm who I'm talking about. And I did want to take just a few minutes to kind of um you know maybe talk about the why um because you know roger raglan is he's not a traditional guy uh, or traditional bow hunter but um there's a lot of things about roger that that i would call traditional or or old school kind of the way uh at least the way i i learned about roger watching his his early videos there were just you know several things about it and even at that time i wasn't a traditional bow hunter i was hunting with a compound and And um, black powder rifle, in fact, Roger's one of the reasons I actually started hunting with a black powder rifle years ago. But um, anyway, as I've said on here many times, you know, uh, nobody in my family really hunted aside from my father doing some squirrel hunting now and then. And um, everything that I learned, I learned the hard way or, you know, by watching VHS tapes that I would rent at the local archery shop. Uh, which was really just getting started about that time we're talking about the you know the late 80s early 90s so a lot of the things that i learned um was through several individuals and and roger being one of them and after we or after i recorded with jim neighbors i was talking to him which uh, kept in touch with jim he's just a great guy we we exchange messages on facebook all the time and he'll pick up the phone call me every now and then we'll have a 15 20 minute conversation but um he because of his work in the hunting industry you know he knew roger and had roger's uh phone number and uh i mentioned you know i actually wouldn't mind having him on the show and so anyway one thing led to another uh jim had roger get in touch with me and uh um went back and forth through emails and phones and we finally got around to sitting down and record last week and then it took another week for the recording equipment to get back to me um so now you know we're recording this intro to Uh, to the episode with Roger Ragland and I did want to kind of address some of that just because I know that you know some of the people that listen to the podcast are diehard traditional bow hunters and that's fine I you know at this point in my life I am as well I have no desire to hunt with anything else Um, but I do think some of the things that that Roger accomplished even if you just look at it from the perspective of he, he found a pursuit in his, a passion in his life and he pursued it and he found a way without being what we see today on uh hunting tv or sportsman's channel or whatever where it's a uh, you know five minutes of of hunting activity and 20 minutes of commercials he found a way to do it that wasn't just a, a 90 minute long commercial um the other things about Roger that I always really liked is he seemed to really want others to be successful. And he would say so. I mean, he, uh, and I think some of the, and I've even heard other people say that it looked like, um, perhaps some of what Roger was, was saying and doing was, was put on or showboating. And, you know, he's one of those individuals that he's, he's so enthusiastic. Um, he has so much energy that, you know, I think it can come off that way. I know you don't know who he is. I don't think you've ever even seen him uh, on video, but he has a couple of uh, neat catchphrases. One, every time he walks up on a, a big buck, he'll "Jiminy Christmas." That's his that's his big <laughs> saying. "Jiminy Christmas." And 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 I don't know if he's always done it or if it's something that he's just introduced in the last few years. But he, at the end of his at his hunt or at the end of his video, successful or not, he always says, "You know, I had a pretty good day." and That's the kind of attitude that I really wish a lot of more people had. Um, You you were in the outdoors. You got to spend time um, in the woods, on the water. It doesn't matter what happened. You should have had a pretty good day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just always impressed me about Roger. And the other thing, um, and I follow him on, on Facebook, and it's been several months ago, and I'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes for anybody that hasn't seen it, but... He just did a little video on his phone, shared it to Facebook, and it was simply titled Why I Hunt. And I'll be honest, some people might not like it, but I actually loved it because he got on there and he said, I'm not going to make excuse why I hunt. I like to hunt. It's not because I want to feed my family. It's not because I'm trying to put food on the table. It's not because I'm chasing the biggest antlers in the woods. I just like to hunt. And it was a very honest... Self-reflective message that I, I I just really enjoyed listening to. So um, again, you know uh, whether you like him or you don't like him, I don't think you can argue that he you know he had a big impact on a lot of people, and that's why I decided to have him on the show. So you know maybe we maybe we can pull some some non-traditional folks into listening to our show and get some get some new people exposed to traditional bow hunting, which is always a plus um but that's kind of it so for the next i guess uh 80 to 90 minutes it's going to be uh me and mr roger racklin having a a nice frank virtual campfire discussion so nick i encourage you to listen to it because i know you haven't heard it as well and for everybody else hope you enjoy it here's roger racklin i've got a very special guest that i've been excited about getting on the show for quite some time now and when we had uh mr jim neighbors on the show a few weeks back he told me after the show that uh he actually had some contact information for this gentleman and said he'd be happy to reach out to him and i think about three weeks ago i got a phone call uh back and we got everything lined up and man i I honestly don't know what else to say besides jim any christmas welcome to the show mr roger raglan how are you buddy
2: hey steve i'm doing really good i'm uh excited about getting to speak with you tonight and, and, uh, glad, you know, the, the way things are, what we've been, everybody's been going through the last few months. I, I'm just glad still, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so, uh, so it's, it's been a great day for me and I'm, uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on here and chat with you and looking forward to sp- spend a little bit of time talking about something that I love to do.
1: chasing critters.
2: Jason, Jason critters, let, let the air out of the few, you know, so to speak.
1: So Roger, I, I, I've, I've actually watched, uh, I've watched your videos and, and followed you for many years, just like some of the other folks that I've had on the show. Um, and I, you know, I know you're not a, I know you're not a traditional bow hunter. I know you are, a uh, uh, have been a bow hunter for many years. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit about bow hunting, but, uh, you know, you're one of the guys that that I grew up watching and learning from because, as I've said on the show many times before, I, I nobody in my family hunted. It was something that I was drawn to from an early age, but I really didn't have you know anyone to to mentor me, and I'd learned the hard way, trial and error. But as I got you know uh, a little bit older, you know, the hunting videos started coming out and those kind of things, and I'd go rent VHS tapes from uh, you know my local. Um, archery shop and that's how I got in, introduced to you but now have you have you pretty much been a hunter your whole life or is that something that that came along later in years
2: no I was I was pretty fortunate to uh on my mom and my dad's side of the family uh to have a bunch of hunters you know and so and my dad was an avid sportsman uh, he was uh, I think I, I really think he liked to fish more than he hunted but it didn't make any difference. What if, uh, you know, and, and I and I said this whenever I was in, inducted into the Hall of Fame there in 2011, and I meant this as a great compliment, as busy as we are nowadays, and you know, having five kids and 16 grandkids, you know, I always got, to, excuse I never one time in my life growing up, not even once, remember asking my dad to take me hunting that he didn't stop what he was doing, he took me hunting. So we we I did a lot of hunting, a lot of had a lot of special hours with my dad. Squirrel, rabbit, quail, dove, duck, deer, you name it, you know, if the season was open, buddy, we went. And so I, I was very fortunate in that aspect to have a dad that number one would take interest and that loved to do it, that took me, and then uh, you know, both like I say, both sides of the family, I, I was around it all my life. Very fortunate.
1: Well, and you know it's funny that you 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 kind of went down that trail, Roger, because that 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 shows, and I think it's always shown um, in in what you've done with your your hunting videos. And I'll be the first to admit. Now, you know, we'll we'll I'll go ahead and throw this out there now. I've kind of stopped um, watching most uh, most hunting related tv shows that kind of thing and, and that's a whole nother discussion but you know it got away from what i grew up and what i think the hunting industry really started out doing which was you know trying to entertain but at the same time guys like you and a lot of others were really trying to help others give them a little bit of of knowledge a little bit of insight let them let them come along on the hunts and you know anybody that's that's ever watched you the the enthusiasm and the excitement was just something that that you have to be a hunter to understand and recognize that you always shown it didn't matter if it was a if it was a giant hog or if it was a you know but it just didn't matter you were always excited and that you know I think that's one of the reasons that I've kind of continue to watch you know some of the stuff that you've put out whether it's on youtube or or so forth is just that that genuine excitement and that's the reason that i actually reached out to you and wanted to to have you on the show was just that that down to earth wanting to help others and and that's the part of the the traditional that I always tell people, you know, the traditional outdoors. Yeah, I'm a traditional bow hunter. My co-host is a traditional bow hunter, but for me, it's more about the traditional values and the, again, I call it the old school, uh, way I grew up, you know, learning to hunt, helping others learn how to hunt and those kind of things. So I know I'm going on and on here, but, um, it's just always something that I've admired about you, uh, was the, just the way you really felt like you were going along for the ride when, when you watched one of your hunts. So,
2: well, I appreciate that. And, you know, Steve, I'm a, you know, I'm i I'll be 66 years old here in just a few weeks, but I'm a baby boomer. And that generation, I think that generation, you know, the average age of the hunter in America now is over 60 years old. And that's kind of, kind of sad if you stop and think about that. But the baby, gym, and I'm a, I'm a part of that baby, that generation, you know. In they just took hunting in, and loved it. You know, it it was a part of their lives for most people in the baby generation. And I, uh, you know, I, it's different now than than what it was back. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, think thing, things are, di- back when I was growing up. If a piece of property wasn't posted, now I don't know what the laws were, but if a piece of property wasn't posted, it was just kind of a given. You could stop and go over there and hunt it, and I never got run off one time in my life. People didn't mind you going and hunting on their property. If they didn't want you on their property, they put up a posted sign. So there, there were multiple. You know, you could go hunting anywhere. You know, and and so it was just a different time. And when, and it got into my bones, you know, and it never, it never got out. And, and, uh, and pe- people, I've, I've been asked a million times, but do you really get that excited? I mean, when you kill a deer, you know, let me tell you, you know, I, I don't want to tell you how many years I went that without shooting one. <laughs> and when I finally start figuring this out, how to get it done, you know, yeah. Cause I remember what it's like to go and not get one and getting one's a whole lot better than not getting one. <laughs> So it's an exciting thing to me and I still get excited. I still get fired up and get excited about it and, and always, you know, always glad to try to t- try to encourage other people to, to enjoy the sport, you know, and don't get hung up, get all this political stuff, you know, that, not, not that, and I don't really want to get off on a, on a tangent here. I, I've to kill the biggest buck I can. I, I try to go to places where I kill the biggest buck, you know, but you know, it, not ever got a it gets a chance to do that. And, and if, a, I I tell people if, if it's legal, if, if a, if a fat, you know, fat fork horn walks in and you get all excited and your toenails start turning up and you're shaking all over, if that's the one you want to shoot, I'll say, let the air out of him and jump up and down hoop and holler. And I'll jump up and down hoop and holler with you. <laughs> so I love the sport. I think it's, it, it, it is an exciting thing. You know, if, if it's truly in your heart and in your bones, it's not something that you should try to hide. You know, it's you something you should enjoy. Life's pretty short, Steve. Life's pretty short. You better enjoy the the things that give you enjoyment as much as you can.
1: Agree one hundred and ten percent. And you know, it's it, it's it's. I like that you brought up the fat little forkhorn. horn. Um, you know, that's one of the things that that irritates me to no end. Is you know the 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 cesspool that is social media. I mean, we we all kind of we all kind of got to the point where we we rely on it, we need it, we use it. But, you know, the the shaming that goes on sometimes on Facebook when somebody's just as proud as they can be over their, you know, a little maybe it's a little fourcorn, maybe it's a spike. Um but, you know, you 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 see some of that stuff going on and it really it really bothers me. I mean, you know, I've taken I've taken some nice whitetails in my life, um, been been fortunate enough to do that. But I will say that's not what drives me and that's not what gets me excited. Somebody that wants to do that, I'm all for it. And, you know, more power to them and, and love to see them be successful. But for me, it was, it was more about con- continuously trying to create more of a challenge for myself. And, you know, over the years I went from – you know, i started out hunting with a with a bow it was a you know hunting with a compound and and then went to rifles and then the black powder uh you know hunting with handguns for many years and it just continuously kept trying to make it more of a challenge get closer you know have to have to become more of a woodsman in some aspects to to fool that animal and and that's what led me to the the traditional bow hunting about 20 years ago um, and you know, I, I get very few chances to get a, a, a monster that side, side, you know, a big size buck inside of, you know, 20 yards. That's, that's pretty much my limits, 20 yards. But man, when it happens, whether you, whether you get, whether you're successful or not, the, the adrenaline and the, the, the rush is just, you know, I, same, probably the same way you feel when you get one of those, one of those big 24 inch wide Texas whitetails on the ground <laughs> so uh, well,
2: you know everybody everybody wants everybody wants to and everybody dreams of shooting a big buck you know and that's a uh, and I and I I grew up in a little, little town of Wagner Oklahoma about 4,000 people and I think it's got it's doubled but it's got 8 or 9,000 but it's still it was a small town and I'd sit in the classroom you know just a dream just in someday you know it so it was a dream someday I'm going to get to shoot a great big buck, you know, and that, that was, that drove me to go and go and go and go. And it was years before I killed my first decent, decent, you know, really good buck, you know? And, and, uh, and, and, and I, and I lied to God. I said, Lord, if you just let me shoot one, you know I mean? <laughs> and then it was your Lord, if you just let me shoot one more <laughs> you know? and, uh, I got, you know, I've killed, I've killed, I'd I'd have to stop and really put my, but I know I've killed over 130 bucks over 140 inches, but I, I still haven't changed the fact that, that I, I, I tell you what I did. I took a guy, you know, every year we, we do a wounded warriors hunt and I was so fortunate a couple of years ago to get invited to a ranch called Rancho Cuevas. It's across the border into Mexico. And it's a matter of record. You look into the record books. It it is absolutely the number one whitetail ranch in all of Mexico, 10,000 acre ranch. And I, I, and uh, after the first year I got to hunt, it's an incredible, obviously it's an incredible place. I mentioned to, it's not commercially hunted. You can't call there and get a hunt. It's private. And I mentioned to the guys something about, and you know, well, we, you know, we, we, just finished up a wounded war. he said what do you mean wounded warrior i said well every year i like to take four or five so wheelchair wheelchair you know soldiers that have been wounded in combat or just veterans you know wheelchair guy just he said i'd love to be a part of that I said, and i never even thought i said are you kidding because no i i want to do that can i be, become a part of that he said i have management deer here that needs to be shot he goes we don't want to shoot them he goes and these are great big nice mature deer that he goes, he goes, bring, we worked it out. We took four guys down there. You know, th- this will be our third year, but we, so far we've taken nine hunters. All nine of them have killed the biggest buck of their life. I'm telling you, it's, it's it's a real rewarding thing for me and everybody involved. But I was doing it out in West Oklahoma, and I had a hunter uh, from Maine. And uh, and I, I'm trying to think of his name, but uh, he had a name mile long. He, he lived in Colorado, and so I. And he had, an Oklahoma, he had an Oklahoma Sooner sweatshirt on. And I said, uh, I'm guiding you tomorrow. <laughs> I'm taking the Oklahoma Sooner guide. He laughed. OK. So we're in the blind. And I'm thinking to myself, and I asked him, I said, how long has it been since you killed uh, a buck? He said, I haven't killed a buck in 15 years. It, and I said, you're from Maine. So being from Maine, I already know. You know, even in the state of Maine, even the big mature bucks up there, you know, it, it's hard to find a buck over 130, 40 inches. It's hard, you know. But killing a killing a white-tailed deer in Maine is about like killing a markhor. You know what a markhor is, Steve? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's it's an, it's a, it costs 30000 bucks to hunt. They're an Asian <laughs> goat. You got to go to Asia. It's like killing a markhor in Pennsylvania. I mean, they're just, it's hard to kill a buck in... So I'm thinking to myself, he probably has never, ever even seen 120 inch deer. And so for, right off the bat, and, and he was, he was a little short guy right off the bat. We're, and a buck come in and it was, it was a little eight pointer, about a, about an 80 incher, maybe two year old, probably two might've been three, but I think he's a two year old eight pointer. And I'm looking at this buck and I tell him, I said, uh, uh, you know what? His name was Steve. I said, Steve. I said there's a there's a buck out here a couple hundred yards kind of coming our way I said I want you to get your glasses and see if you can find him of course he's looking and and when he when I when I'm looking at him now and when he spotted that buck he just his his hand started shaking he started shaking and I knew immediately he won't shoot this deer and I said uh Steve and I'm looking I'm looking at him I said Steve I said, "You want to shoot that deer?" He goes, "Can can I shoot that one?" I said, "Absolutely. Get get your, get your rifle." I said, "Now nah, he's got to come down here closer." To well, this we're on a bluff. The sucker comes right down up underneath us, and I thought, "Oh my lord, he's too close." He finally stepped out there, he's shooting straight down. He's a hundred yards, but he's shooting kind of straight down on him. I said, and I asked him again. I said, "Now, Steve, we can wait and look for a bigger buck." He goes, "Oh no, I want to shoot this one." I said. Okay. And he stepped out and <laughs> he, he cut him in half. And he was so giddy. He, I thought he was going to start crying. He was so excited. And we get down there to that buck and we hooped and hollered. And, and I mean, I mean it was a great time and a great experience. And we got back, Get back to camp. And, uh, and that night, he come over to me. And I don't know who it was, but I know somebody said something to him. And he come over to me and he said, i guess i messed up i said what do you mean he goes oh i I probably shouldn't have shot that buck he was a young buck and i said steve i said think back a few hours when you pulled the trigger on that buck i said do you remember how excited you were he said oh yeah i said i was excited too i'm still excited listen you shot the right buck for you I don't care what anybody says. You be excited and you be proud of that buck. And I, the next morning at four o'clock in the morning, I'm first one up and on my phone. I don't mean to go on on my phone. I I, I turned the phone and I said, "Let me tell you folks." And I told him what. Here's what happened. I said, "You know what? He shot the right buck." I said, "We're we're strangling." We're, we're wondering why this industry's dying. We're strangling this industry by trying to br- breathe into everybody that if they don't kill a five, six, seven, eight-year-old buck that's got a name, that's an old, old buck, that they've done something wrong. I said, oh, my God, get over it. Let people shoot. If it's legal, let people shoot the buck they want that excites them. It's their money. It's their time. It's their life leave them alone and let them enjoy what this great sport. We're killing the sport by strangling it with our views. That thing got over a million views, Steve. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I, and, 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 and preach it all you want, Roger. Cause that's, again, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier. That that's, that's the, that's the attitude. That's I agree with you. That's doing more harm to the sport. Um, and there's there's other things too, but th- that's doing more harm to the sport, the the shaming people, um, than I don't I don't know. I, I agree with you hundred ten percent. There's so many things that that as you were talking through that, that I was sitting here thinking about. And those little uh, morning coffee videos that you typically post to Facebook, um, there's some there's some real gems in those. Uh, and I will tell you that my favorite one to date was the one. And I only think that was a, a coffee one. I think that was one you were, you were outside or, so. Anyway, you were talking about why I hunt. Well, I, I'm glad you man, brought that up. That.
2: Cause listen, Steve, we are eight days away from the fourth anniversary of that's, that's called my original rant. I hunt because I like it. <laughs> yep. I, I shot that on my phone and I'm not going to tell you what, what, well, I, you know what? I will tell you. I'm on Facebook, and I'm watching. I'm not going to call, obviously, I'm not going to call the sport. But it was a, another sportsman kneeling with a 400-point giant bull elk, world-class bull elk. And that person said, here's why I hunt. I hunt to feed my family. And it just ticked me off. You know, it just ticked me off. Not, not... And that spurred me. I stepped outside the trophy room and I turned the phone and I I shot my original hunt, you know, uh, uh, my original rant. I hunt because I like it. And I, and I showed it to my wife and she said, Oh, you better not put that on Facebook. I said, Oh, well, and I put it on my, I didn't put it on Roger Raglin. I I put it on my personal page. And in the first hour on my personal page, it had two hundred thousand views. <laughs> it, you talk about going rampant. It went. It got over two million views. You know, I went ahead and put it on my other page. You know, but hey, you know, I don't. It, it's just this politically crap stuff, and not, and I and I think that we should be careful. Uh, you know, that how we present ourselves to the public. You know, but the public, hey, Steve, the public you know, it's like people. Well, you know, uh, so you do something on your show. Well, boy, the antis are going to give you. I, I've never gotten anything from an anti hunter. Antis don't watch the outdoor channel. Antis aren't on my page. You know, they don't care what I do. They're against anything I do that has to do with guns or hunting. But I, you know, I, I think that we just, you know, in our group and in, in, in our little. Yeah. And it's, it's a small, it's a small fraternity, Steve, you know, what is there? 10, 10, about 10 in there, about 10 million hunters, deer hunters in America,
1: something like that.
2: There's a couple of hundred million people in America. There's a small percentage of us that really are hunting, but in our thing, let's just stand, stay together and, and, and let everybody do their own thing. Holy crap. We, we get into this, what's right and what's wrong. If you don't think like I do, or don't think like it, you know, it's, it's, it's 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 crazy it's it's crazy what we're do, trying to be politically correct and all, on everything and and i'll tell you we if things things some things can't be helped steve there's fewer places to hunt now i mentioned earlier you know when i grew up you go hunting anywhere nobody said anything to you fewer places to hunt it's much more expensive now to hunt. i i i was at a uh, softball uh, a baseball tournament in houston texas when my, when my son was playing baseball and i'm sitting out there out, out in front of the holiday inn express i think is where we were staying and there was a guy standing out there and he walked over and i we struck up a conversation just talking and he said i'm a i'm a plumber because he yeah, we're here for the baseball tournament i said yeah he goes, what do you do i said well i'm i have an outdoor i'm in the outdoor business he goes well i'm a plumber he goes, and my son wants to be a hunter. He watches shows. He goes, I'm not a hunter. And I was going to, and, and I looked into to start taking him hunting. He said, I couldn't do it. I don't make enough money to take my son. He goes, it's expensive. to, And it is, Steve, as you know, it's, it can get real expensive. The hunting, it's just more and more expensive every year. And it, fewer places to hunt, more expensive. That's why the age of the average age of the hunter is now over 60. We're not bringing in the young hunters, you know. We're not bringing in these young hunters. And if you bring in a young guy and try to drill this this newfound theology, this hunting theology, that everything's got to be perfect. The shot's got to be perfect. This has got to be perfect. And the deer's got to be a certain age. We got to give him a name. We got to, uh, You know. Uh, let me tell. I, I guess I'm glad in, in in 20 20 30 years I won't be around because. There may not be, you know, <clears throat> hunting is going to be just for the rich. I'm afraid in the next two or three through two or three decades, it's it is going to be in trouble. That's just my opinion, and, I, but that's that's how I feel.
1: And and I would I would echo some of those things. I think you know from from my perspective, it's probably a little bit different than that, Roger, just because of the, you know, the way I hunt, the way I approach it, you know. um... My equipment is is fairly cheap uh relatively speaking uh, most of the times if I'm doing out of state hunts, I'm doing public land hunts i I do a lot of cyber scouting and um, if I can make trips to do scouting out of season I do and those kind of things so i'm not I'm not spending a ton of money but unless it's you know, unless it's someone that's in the circles that that would be introduced to me and hunt with me or people people like minded like me, um, they don't get that same they don't get that same experience or exposure and what they do get, unfortunately. And this goes back honestly. And not, you know, not trying to beat up how you, how you've got to where you are, but it goes back to some of the TV shows that you know try and tell people they have to have all this equipment. And like you said, the, you know, you got to wait for this. You can't shoot the, you can't shoot the first buck you see. You got to wait for this big animal. I mean, it's just there's so many things that have just gotten completely. I'll tell you a funny when control. I did
2: a. Uh, of course, you know I've worked with Hunter Safety System for a number of years and. Uh, and I think I think still the the premier company when it comes to hunting vest and getting up in a tree and everything and great people and and uh, when David Langston ran the marketing uh, and at, in August every year we would go and speak at a Cabela's or Bass Pro one of the other one of those big stores I guess now they're about the same thing now you know since they're owned by Bass Pro but. And and typically I got sent to Texas, Austin, Texas, or, or uh, it's not Austin. Where where what's the name of that? Uh, it was, it's between Austin uh, and San Antonio. But but regardless, Wichita, Kansas, one year. And Dave and and he, Dave called me. He goes, well we're we're gonna. I said Dave, send me someplace different this year. You know for the. And it, it's always the I think first or second weekend in August that their their archery thing and. He goes, well, where? he goes, well, let me think about it. He called me back. He goes, I'm sending you to Connecticut, flying into Hartford, Connecticut. I said, "Damn, yeah, there's a big Cabela's store there. I said, that'll be great. I'll go into the Northeast. <coughs> and I like to never found it. It sits right next to the University of Connecticut football stadium, which is like in a housing edition. It's crazy how that thing set up. But anyway, I get there. First morning, I'm sitting there at a little old table, you know, meet and greet stuff, and and some guy walked up, and he and he didn't have a cart, he was carrying a bunch of stuff. He said, "I want to know the secret to killing big bucks." I said, "Well, first thing I do, I take about three fourths what you're carrying and go put it back on the shelf." <laughs> 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 and he looked at me, and I thought, "Now be careful what you say, Roger. This is a customer to Cabela's, <laughs> you know." Well, so I, ha- I do have to be kind of careful what I say, you know, but, uh, but, you, you know, you, it, you know, I, you know, it is true. And and of course I got to, you know, a television show is it's, that's my bread and butter, so to speak. And, and there's, there's lots, you know, all of them, some of them more than others, but we're, you know, we're, we're, I, I don't want to use the word force, but we're, we have to have sponsors. You can't have a television show if you don't have sponsors and we're trying to, Trying to promote promote our sponsors, <clears throat> but if you watch my show, it's careful. It it's easy to pick up the sponsors that I really actually like, and that I think their product is just a step above a lot of people, and, and that it's something that will really help the sportsmen, you know. But I I like to pride myself in not lying to sportsmen and tell them they got to have this when they really don't, when they really don't have to have that. And, and, you know, you, you got to have some things, some certain things, but, but, uh, you know, if you, if you got a, if you got a bow that you know, I, I've, and this is, this is a big thing I've over the years, you know, well, I've got the, I've got this so-and-so bow and <clears throat> I've had it for 15 years and I just can't afford one of these, you know, strip, these stripped down new, <clears throat> whatever it is. It's twelve hundred dollars, and but the time I get my, I don't have the, I said, well, the one you got, how long have you had it, fifteen years, how many deer have you killed with it, oh, you know, and do you still shoot it really good, oh yeah, well then, what what what's the problem? <laughs> Just keep shooting that one, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know, and so and, uh, that that may be why Matthews fired me a few years ago. I don't know, but but anyway. <laughs> But I have that approach. I have that. I don't tell guys, oh, well, you got to have the latest greatest or you can't. If you, I don't worry about looking like, you know, looking like Mr. Joe Cabela's, you know, if my camo top doesn't match my bottom, I actually don't worry about that, you know. Uh, Push come to shove. I'd go kill deer in blue jeans and a t shirt just between me and you. Did I don't, don't tell anybody I said that, but, but but it is true that, you know, that, Instead of hook hooking the sportsman, let's let's help them Let's help him hook. When they called me, Steve, you said something that kind of hit me, Steve. Earlier, I was in the truck. I was. I'm not a big turkey hunter. That's not a. That's not a. <clears throat> a secret to anyone. I go. I go sometimes. I didn't even go this year, but I go once or twice a year. But I was coming back from. T- I'd been to Tennessee, of all things, on a spring turkey hunt, and my phone rang and they told me that I'd been inducted into the legends of the outdoor hall of fame. And, uh, and I didn't accept, I didn't accept. And I, and I, I think it hurt somebody's feelings, you know, and I didn't, I didn't, I never was a record book guy and I never was, you know, well, look, I never was a throw my chest up and beat on my own chest guy. I just, I just never was. And I got to thinking about it and I called them back in a few days and I said, look, I, I said i'll make a deal with you i said i said it's it's a great honor it's a great thank you thank you for voting me in and it is an honor and i don't want you to think that i'm not honored i said i'll accept i want to be put in but if you're going to put me in this hall of fame thing because i've killed a bunch of whitetail bucks i said i'm not interested I'm, I'm really not interested i said but if you're going to put me in the hall of fame because of my hunting videos, I helped teach a generation of hunters how to be more successful. I said, if you'll put me in under those that pretense and though I said, I'll accept it and be very proud. And so I went into the Hall of Fame uh, with, with knowing, ahead of time, let you know, letting everybody know. The reason I'm being inducted into the Hall of Fame is that I really did help teach a whole generation of, of young whitetail hunters. How to be more successful? Trying to help people be more successful. Trying to help people enjoy the sport, enjoy the sport, and you know get the most out of it. Be more successful, and uh, and that's you know I'm I'm like I say almost 66. I'm not gonna be here. I'm how many more years? You know maybe not, maybe not too many more years. But my legacy, I would like to be remembered as a guy that really did was interested in people and wanted them to enjoy the sport to them at the, to the very most and, and, and help them be, help them be a more successful, good ethical deer hunter. Now I, I went on for quite a while there. I no, no,
1: no. And it, it's, it, and it's quite all right. Uh, Roger, I was, and there's so many things I've thought about, you know, listening to you for the last five minutes or so, You know, when you, when I first saw you doing the videos, um, you know, it was, it was pretty apparent that, and I, and I honestly don't know what Best Kept Secrets was. We don't even have to get into that. But I know when you first started, you were, you weren't just doing the hunting videos. You had, you know, you had something else that you were doing on the side to support that. And over time you got to the point, and look, if somebody can... I'm not going to begrudge anyone that has a dream to be able to hunt uh, or spend time in the outdoors. This not not even hunt be able to spend time in the outdoors or really even doing what they're really passionate about and what they want to do. You still have to put food on the table and you still have to pay the bills. You know, I, I get it. I mean, you know, I, I, I will say that I'm, I'm, There's a lot of shows out there that became five minutes of hunting for 30 minutes of commercials. And when I say commercials, it was still the footage of the actual hunting show. It was just, you got to have this, you got to have that, you got to have this. And this is the greatest product that ever, you know, I think there's, there's a balance and we lost the balance uh, or the hunting industry lost that balance in my opinion, a long time ago. Um, But I would, you're, look, I mean, it, here's what it comes down to, and I could I could go in and list some other people, and I because he's been on the show, I'll mention Jim Neighbors, um, Paul Bruner. I don't know if you know Paul uh, Bruner I know Paul. Or, or Paul uh, Paul. Look, here's the thing: there were basically four people that that taught me how to hunt. There was Roger Aglin, there was Jim Neighbors, there was Paul Bruner, and when I say Paul Bruner, I have to also throw in. Um, the Wenzel brothers because they were doing things at the same time in those early years. And Dan Fitzgerald. Um, I mean, that's, those are the people that taught me how to hunt because I didn't, you know, other than just getting out into woods and, and making a lot of mistakes, which I did. Um, so, you know, I I definitely know there are a lot of people that, that have been impacted by um by the material the products that you've put out there so well we you know, you
2: know we 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 didn't realize steve i mean i it wasn't my dreams that are i mean i didn't even know what a hunting video was i had a guy mention to me you know you ought to make a hunting video and i didn't even know what he was talking about i didn't know i didn't even own a vcr I went to Blockbuster Video, <laughs> remember when they had Blockbuster, Hell yeah. went to Blockbuster and I said, can I rent a VCR, yeah, you can rent a VCR, I said, I want a VCR and give me two hunting videos, he goes, well, we got about, which one, I said, just pick two and give them to me, I went home and watched those hunting videos on a December afternoon and I'm looking at it and I thought, wow, isn't that cool? And that I thought about it all day. I was painting apartments, apartment painter. And I thought about it all day. And that night, my wife, the little old shack we lived in, didn't have a dishwasher, but the dishwasher was called Darlene. <laughs> and, uh, and she was standing there doing the dishes. And I said, uh, I think I'm going to try to make a hunting video. And she said, okay. Yeah, you know, I might as well have said, I'm going to go down to the store and get a loaf of bread. Honestly. you know. And, uh, and that's and that's where it started for me. I just started thinking, well, well, wouldn't it be neat to try to try to? I just want to see if I could make a hunting video, and uh, and I, I you know the story is way too long for me to tell. But I, you know, I I come out finally, you know, after spending every dime I ever made in my life to make made a hunting video, and and uh, I uh, I'll never forget the 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 distributor. There was one. There was one. May, the the market for hunting videos was the rental market. And at that time, back in the late eighties, there were about twelve thousand outlets around the country that rented videos. Little Ma and Paul stores, yep. little grocery stores. You could you rented videos. And the and the number one distributor in the nation, I mean, he probably distributed ninety plus percent of the videos in the nation, DM was in Oklahoma City. He called me. He's a he, Sheen Ray, he, boy, he's rough, rough, gruff guy. He goes, oh, I need to talk to you. Come over here. When can you come over? I, it's a hundred miles. I said, well, I'll come over tomorrow. Yeah, come over here, I need to talk to you. And I walked over and sat down. He said, I need for you to make me another hunt video. And I said, no, thanks. <laughs> I've had all the fun I could stand. I said, I'll never <laughs> ever make my money back off this one grand slam of deer. I said, I'll never make my money back off. He goes, no. He goes, I'm gonna put the, I'm gonna put up the money. I'm gonna front the money. He goes, We're selling, we're selling people like watching you, and I need for you to make me another hunt. Leap forward a year, I produced a tape called Whitetails East of the Mississippi. Plenty of big bucks to spare. And it, and that year, 1989, it became the number one selling hunting video in the nation. And that next year I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to be in the hunting video business. She goes, "What? You going to stop painting?" I said, "Well, I think I think we can make more money making hunting videos than I can uh, painting apartments." And that, and so I stumbled into the business. But when it happened with me and Dan, Dan Fitzgerald, and you know the handful the handful of guys, Tom Miranda, Alan Altizer. I don't know if you remember Alan Altizer.
1: Uh, I remember the name. I don't yeah, remember any of his, yeah. any of his stuff. It,
2: it, it didn't last but a few years, but we didn't realize what was happening. But, we, you know, that those videos went out into the rental market and were rented over and over and over. And it was outdoor entertainment for sportsmen. And for the first time, video, they could see animals being harvested with a bow, muzzleloader, right? You know, it was just, it was a feeding frenzy and we we didn't even we didn't even know what was taking place. And there were thousands of people. This is what a lot of people don't know, Steve. There were thousands of people making hunting videos. And I'm standing out in front at the SHOT Show in Las Vegas, at the shooting and sports show, annual show in January. I'm standing out there, and I'm standing next to Tom Miranda and Sheen Ray. We're, we're standing there waiting on a cab. And a, a van pulled up, a van pulled up, and people were getting in and out. And and Sheen looked over at me and Tom and said, "The guys that make this industry go, the video business. He goes, all of you could get in that one van. He goes, the ones that really make this thing. And 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 see, we didn't even know how powerful and how important we were. I I, I shouldn't use the word important, but you know what I'm saying." We didn't realize that we were becoming icons, and and it was happening right in front of our eyes, and we didn't even know it. <laughs> so, it was a strange time that those those few years in my life, you know, and but unfortunately, the, in the video, the, the the why people enjoyed videos, and Dan of course, Dan, Dan and I have been friends forever, and it's hard to believe Dan is is exactly ten years older than me. So Dan's. Up, up in his mid 70s now it's just hard to believe that we're all getting that old but we but we uh, we would make a video we didn't have any sponsors we, we made our money selling the videos you you made your money so you sit down and watch a, a 90 minute video you watch a 90 minute video and there were no sponsors <laughs> nobody's being plugged because we didn't have any so it was it was pure. Hunting and pure entertainment and in, and information that we were able to get. That's why they were so enjoyable.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and it it took a a huge turn because, like you said, it was ninety minutes, and, and I remember you know later the 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 sponsorship started floating into them, but it was still yeah. it was still seventy to eighty percent of it was content for the you know the 10 15% of filler for the the sponsor stuff um and i mean hey i've i've got people that sponsor the the podcast i mean it you know I, I don't make any money on it 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 pays for the the hosting and and that kind of stuff and when i break a piece of equipment i can i can replace it without taking it you know all out of my pocket but you know i i get the sponsorship thing but it just seemed like it just went into into overdrive it it, it, it is
2: of, it, and it's out of control it is but yeah. but there are But there are, but, but, you know, conversely, there are over the year, there are products that really are an advantage to the sportsman, you know, and I really enjoy pumping and talking. You know, one of the companies that I've worked with for 10 years now, and this is, this is not meant to be a sponsorship plug, but I got hooked up with Steve Wagnets at Lake Lakewood cases. I don't know if you're familiar with that company. And, i'm but, not but, i'm not but the, but the, but the, it's you know the it's it just it's just so so totally different you just unzip it and you drop your gun in the top of it drop and that's how you carry your gun you know and when i saw his cases i went oh my lord it's just innovative now steve's not doesn't have a you know he has a, a textile business very successful business man he just does the bow and gun cases you know, I, I think if he just breaks even, he's happy, you know, so it's not like he's in the mainstream, but he has one of the w- most wonderful product lines out of green, right there out of green Bay and, and they're sewn, they're made 100% right there. I've been to the factory there in, in Wisconsin, but it's just a great product, you know, a couple hundred bucks at, per case. And, and I, I enjoy promoting those and, and don't mind telling because they're innovative and they're different. And there are products like that 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 come down the pike that are really cool, and that I really enjoy talking about and promoting. And then, and then there's some that that you know that I I probably don't enjoy as much. But but it is good to let the let the sportsmen know, and that's what I tell guys on my show and on social media. I'm I'm just making you aware of what's available, and not not that you you know not that if you can't afford to get one or don't want to. That's your business. More power to you. But if but we do are able to make people aware of some great products that are out there, and 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 and, and, and it it's important. Our sponsors don't 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 let anybody. Care. And I'm certainly not here to bash anyone's show or about sponsors because we we don't have a business without sponsorships. We don't have a business, but it's nice when we do have nice sponsors, and I do kind of pride sure. myself. In my, in my shows. I don't have a trillion. So I watched a show the other day from a great producer, one of the great producers in the industry. I bet he pumps 62 different people on
1: his show. <laughs> it's like a, it's like, like a NASCAR car. <laughs> I'm
2: telling you. I just And it's a great show. He's a great producer. But I thought, oh my God. Now, and I thought <laughs> so many. Uh, now, which one did he do good for? Which yeah. one did he do good for? You know, and, and, and when, I, when I showed the stuff to my, the sponsors I'm working with, what I did for the show, I said, people are going to remember that because there's not 57 of y'all on there. <laughs> now, now from a material standpoint, I wish I had 57. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I might retire next year sometime. But anyway, we're kind of getting off on a touchy subject. Yeah, I, I, I,
1: I, I do. I, I want to. I do want to bring it back in because there is a there. There are a couple things. There's there's two particular. Um, uh, I guess you could call them hunts, but there there's two particular uh, segments of some of your older videos that I want to bring up. Then I want to talk about, you know, maybe what you've got going on this fall and, and you know, where we're, we're raggling outdoors is going moving yeah, forward. Yeah, sure, sure. But, sure. but um, you were talking about the the wounded warrior that was hunting with you. Uh, his name, you said his name was Steve. And while you were talking through that, something that you said reminded me, of what I think in my humble opinion was probably one of the best hunting scenes that you ever, that you ever produced. And I can't, I'm ashamed to say, I can't remember which video it was on um, because I think I've seen every one of them you have over the years, but um, you had, you were, you were sick. (laughs) You had the, you had the flu uh, or a really bad cold. You were chugging NyQuil like crazy. And you took a magnificent animal on the ground at very close quarters. And that's one of those things that you, you know, if you told me, if you told me you faked it, I wouldn't believe it. But you, you, you just about broke down when you recovered that animal was talking about it. And, and it showed, and that kind of emotion, I think is something that I, I wish more people would do because I've had that, I've had that emotion after taking an animal um, and it's something you, you just don't see much anymore. But anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. You, you know, which one I'm talking about, right?
2: Well, there's you know, there in my mind, there's a couple, there was one when I was in Wisconsin. Did I kill it? What I, did I kill him with a rifle or a bow?
1: No, it was, it was with a bow. It was on the ground. And he, he, if I remember correctly, he walked down into a little low place that allowed you to, uh, to get ready for the shot, and then he just he walked out right in front of you like seven yards. Oh well, uh, that
2: <clears throat> in my I, I believe you're talking about. I had a buddy of mine that we, that we used to go up and hunt public land together up on the Oklahoma Kansas border, and uh, make a long story short, he called me. He said, "You're not going to believe the buck that I just saw ran across the road in front of me up here above Vanita Oklahoma, in Craig County." about an hour north of of the house. I said, what? He goes, I'm telling you. He said, he was a giant. So I got with him and we went up there and I talked to the guy, you know, on one side of the road, had a little old house there and I'm I'm chatting with him. He goes, oh yeah. He goes, and and, and he didn't have a name for the deer. And this was back really before trail camera stuff, you know, and Mm -hmm. he goes, yeah, he lives over here across the street over here on my neighbor. Now, they don't hunt, but I see him over here. He comes over here in behind my house every once in a while, and he goes down into this creek drain. Because we see him all the time. He's a, He was a toad. He was, so I go up there and try to hunt. My, my buddy, uh, insurance guy, he couldn't go up there. I went up there and spent uh, most of the end of November and 1st of December trying to kill this deer, and all the way to Christmas, and I got sick. And I actually stayed up there. Instead of driving back and forth, and it's only about an hour and a half, actually. I got a little motel room. Just you know, and when I do, when I'm on the road like that, I get uh, the cheapest. Yeah, it well, wasn't I, a, it was it <laughs> I was do, Steve. <laughs> I'm telling you, where you, you almost you lock the door and hold your breath you, that you make it till the morning. I mean, this just just the cheapest little you know twenty five thirty dollar a night thing. But right. I but I told my wife, I said I'm going to just stay up here rather than drive back and forth. Cause I'm trying, I want to kill this buck. And, uh, and I think it was the 20. I know that it was a Saturday. It was in this, it was a Saturday evening that he finally out of the corner of my eye, I saw this deer and he did. He just, he walked in and it was like, he knew something was wrong, but I think there'd been a hot doe in there to be honest with you. And he just walked right in front of us and from the ground, it was less, it was maybe 10 yards. Might've been less than 10 yards. He's a 160 class buck.
1: For some reason, I want to say it was. You said in the video it was seven yards, and it's been a long time. But for some reason, that's always stuck in my head that it was seven yards. But it was. I'll put it this way: it was really close. It was close. Um, it
2: was yeah. It was close. And now here's here's the funny thing to uh, the re- the rest of the story. All right, let me and I'll hurry right here. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a toad, I, and I'm talking about uh, a toad. I mean a big bo- and huge body. I hadn't I had never killed an Oklahoma buck that big a bodied if you want to know the truth. And somehow we, we got him gutted and my camera I was I, back then I had a Ford Bronco and, uh, and and I didn't want to get that old man up in the back of my bronco. so we we got hit with a rope pulled we got him up on top that Bronco, and I tied him down <laughs> tied him down on and by the time we got that done, it was late Saturday evening. Now I gotta drive an hour and a half home. Now back in those days, you had to physically check your deer in in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh but you could do it the, you know, you could do it the next day. You didn't have to check him in. There wasn't any place to check him in between me and you. By the time I got back to Broken Air, Oklahoma, there was no so I get up on it was a Sunday morning. I get up on Sunday morning, I told my wife, I said, I gotta go check this deer in. And I'm driving, I'm I'm driving around looking for and there was a filling station there on the 71st street. And of course it's, it's like a ghost town on, but he was open and it had an official check station there. So I pulled in and I get out and I'm walking around and hey, I'm yelling, hey, nobody, nobody. Walked into the, the had a big two two thing garage walk and a guy come from out of the back, he goes, oh, I didn't hear you. I said, yeah, I said, I, uh. He goes, what can I do? I said, I I got a deer I want to check in. I killed him last night, but I want to get him checked in this morning. He goes, well, just just pull him in here (laughs) to Wayne. I said, "Uh, well, (laughs) uh, I I think you might have to help me. He goes, what? And so we walk out and we walk out there and we look up this, this huge, I'm out in town. He was a 200 plus pound field dress buck. That's how that's kind of buck he was. He looked up at him. He looked over at me. He said, "You know what? I think he weighs about 200. What do you think?" I said, "Hey, whatever you whatever you say." We went in there, and wrote down 200 pounds. <laughs> I checked him he, in. We didn't take him off that truck.
1: <laughs> he he. I, I remember he was he was he was a nice buck. Yeah, he was a good one. Um, he
2: was a good deer. Th-
1: yeah. There's there's several that just. Uh, for whatever reason several that have stuck out in my in my mind over the years there was another one that you took uh, if i'm not wrong that was here in georgia and you were on public land um but i again I, I that may have been in that Whitetails east of the mississippi i can't remember but um i do know you were hunting in georgia and it was on public land and that was when you were uh hunting out of the, the tree lounges um which used to be just the like bob high 30, 30 minutes layer. from my house yep. oh
2: my lord
1: yeah yep. and I actually I actually that was probably one of the few things that you had in your videos that i actually went out and bought and hunted out of it for many years um in fact loved hunting out of it i just didn't love carrying it i was gonna say
2: you know you you had to love it if you wanted to pack it around <laughs> but oh, it was great well I, you could get that thing if you, you know if you if you it was heavy big bulky heavy but it was safe once you got up in that tree and turned around i mean it would bite it, was, it had so much weight on it and it was comfortable you could sit you could sit all day long and they, it really was kind of an ingenious product and
1: so so i gotta tell you i gotta tell you one of my stories real quick and i'll make it short but uh very comfortable very safe and i worked um i worked for a company one year in fact it was the it was uh 1999 um coming up on the year 2000 I, i work in i.t and the year 2000 was a big deal don't need to go into that but i was working a lot of a lot of long hours long days wouldn't get a lot of time to hunt and I finally got a chance to go one afternoon and I took off and carried that tree lounge and I sh- shimmied up a tree, I don't know, 20 foot or so off the ground. And I got settled into that thing. And Roger, when I woke up, it was so dark, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I was probably three and a half, four miles from my, from my pickup and didn't have, didn't have a flashlight, didn't have any, and anyway, it ended up being 2 a.m. I had fallen asleep in that thing because I I just I was sleep deprived to be perfectly honest with you, and the weirdest feeling was when I woke up I couldn't I couldn't get or, oriented I didn't I didn't know where I was at It took me a second to realize that I was still up in that tree. Uh, oh my goodness! But yeah, I, I hunted out of those tree lounges for a long time. Finally, sold them. I don't know four or five years ago. Just got got tired of. Are you actually been longer now? Where you're at? Yes, sir. I'm in fact I'm only about maybe fifteen or twenty minutes from where um Bob had his had his shop, his factory. Oh, so you're down um,
2: down south, right?
1: Uh well it's actually North Georgia. Um it's uh, north of Atlanta. He was actually uh based out of Cumming, Georgia, just oh, off of, right Oh uh, that's right, that's right. He retired down at
2: Pampa City or whatever, Florida. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking
1: because I bought mine I I actually stopped by the by the uh shop on my way home and and you know bought it directly from Bob himself. So Well, what Now, Muzzy, M-
2: where was Muzzy at? They were in Cartersville, weren't they?
1: Uh, Muzzy was in Cartersville. That's yeah, correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This this is my 29th year with Muzzy Broadheads.
1: I've killed a bunch of deer with Muzzy Broadheads. I don't uh I don't shoot them anymore just simply because I need you know shooting the traditional stuff you really need a cut on contact head and yeah and they have the phantom but um i like something a little bit stronger um as far as i want something that'll bust bone but i can't shoot that trocar tip so um i stopped shooting muzzy right after i switched over to traditional gear again about 20 years ago but I, I killed a bunch of deer with muzzy broadheads um and uh, definitely nothing wrong with those things. Oh,
2: no, um, no, it, no, it's, they, they've, uh, they've kind of st- pretty much stayed true to their original roots, you know, and, uh, and uh, now I was in Atlanta Two to, when was the NRA show in Atlanta? When was that?
1: I honestly, Roger, I couldn't, I'm ashamed I, to say I couldn't tell you. I think it was t-
2: two, just, I think it was just two springs ago. And I, I went down there for the show and because I, uh, I, uh, I shoot for, you know, I shoot for. For Begara, and they're just outside mm-hmm. of Atlanta. Right. Went down, saw their new plant. Now that, now that's now that is a company that I'm extremely proud to be associated with. Are making, actually, and I'm not just saying this. I, you know, my forte is really swinging a rifle. To be honest with you, my forte. You know, I've done a lot of bow hunting, but my forte, what I'm always been extremely good at, I've been a pretty good shot in swinging a rifle. And Begara makes virtually custom-like rifles right off the shelf. They're B-14 series, and they're extremely uh, well-priced for what they're delivering. It, it that Now, that's a great... That's a company in Georgia that you can be really proud that's in your home state. They make a great product. And Greg- Yeah, I'll
1: be... I, I have honestly not hunted with a firearm in over 20 years now. Um, and I think you're being... I think you're being a little too modest. You, you've taken a bunch of deer with a bow, and and I'll be honest, you've taken a bunch of deer with a bow on the ground when most people weren't even thinking about shooting a uh, a white tail with a with a bow from the ground. Well, I'll so, tell you
2: one one of the reasons, and and I'm going to be honest with you too. Now, I always hunted from the ground, you know, uh, for years and years. But another reason why we did a lot of hunting from the ground more than 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 the average person is we're shooting on a, you know, a 60-pound beta cam.
1: <laughs> right, right.
2: <laughs> you know, and I thought, well, you know, and my, I had my cameraman for 14 years during the heyday, of the video heyday, my camera was my brother-in-law. He was my brother-in-law, taught him how to run a, I say I taught him how to run a camera, but I, I taught him the basics. But he was as good as anyone I've ever worked with. And, and, and I, I, I laugh and I say, I, I think to this day, his heart, if you checked his heartbeat, I think it's about 35 times a minute. He had the heartbeat of an elephant. <laughs> but he could sit, he he, you know, he didn't say 10 words a day, quiet, reserved. But he would sit with me. If I'm on the ground, he would sit there and not move a muscle, blink an eye all day long. I mean, I just had the perfect partner to film me and hunt from the ground with, I, I read, he was a perfect partner, bless his heart, dragging and shooting that giant beta cam. (laughs) It was just easier to, right. You know what? Let's just set up on the ground here and see how we do.
1: (laughs) And that, that makes, and that makes perfect sense. But regardless, you were getting it, you were getting it done. All right. Last, last, last one I got to bring up and then I'm going to, I do want to, I've got one question I'm going to save to the very end. Um, but if I don't ask this one, my daughter, who is now um, in her getting ready to go into her second year of college, uh, she'll turn twenty-one. Uh, she'll turn twenty this fall. Excuse me. Um, if I don't ask you this question, she'll she'll never forgive me. So uh, I believe it was in uh, a whitetail deer odyssey uh, in Canada. I want to say it was Saskatchewan. The Dr. Pepper scene, was that staged or not? (laughs) No, no, no.
2: It's so funny because back, you know, I used to go to Canada a lot, you know, a lot. I don't as much anymore, but I was younger, you know, and the cold didn't bother me as much. And and a guy named Roy Petrowitz, he got in touch with me and said, I want you to come up here and let's make a hunting video or, or shoot a video thing. And he was in northeastern Saskatchewan as far north as the whitetail at that time as the whitetail range was. We saw more moose than we saw deer. Now that's how far north we were. And to get there, you had to, you, 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 we flew and we, we did fly on that one. Fly to Winnipeg. Then you fly into Swan River, Manitoba. And Roy picked us up and it was a two and a half hour drive up into the middle of nowhere. And. The temperature that week when we were there, never, the temperature, not wind chill, the temperature never reached zero. Sub-zero, you left from ground, in the mornings, we'd get up, and the little hut, I mean a shack that we stayed in, if you got what, you, however cold it was outside, that's how cold it was inside there. <laughs> and a little pot stove, you had to get up and start the fire to warm the room. <laughs> and we left from camp on foot and walked. From daylight to dark and that that's how cold that was at, at the middle of the day we would stop take our backpacks off the weenies your pop were froze hard as a brick from walking break start a fire put the stuff in there thaw it out you where you could drink and eat put the fire out and then go take off walking again so that's the kind of temperatures we had and that little old hut we were staying in I, you know, I, I I was, you know, until I, until I got on my diet, you know, I, I was, I, drank, I had, I, 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 when I went to Africa the first time, I flew four liters of Dr. Pepper over there with me. <laughs> Think about that. I was a Dr. Pepper guy. And I just set that Dr. Pepper out there really when we got up and it hadn't even been out there, but just a couple of hours, I guess, or so. But, but I, I, I looked down, I said, I'm, I'm going to get out and I'm going to open up this Dr. Pepper. And I got that. And it was just you know, it was, it was almost froze all the way through. And when I took that lid off that and exploded, it surprised all of us. Believe me, it was, it really was not staged, but that, that, that was the coldest hunt I ever been on in my life. Let me tell you, that was the coldest.
1: My my daughter would sit around. She wouldn't really pay attention to the, a lot of the hunting videos, but she would, she would sit there and watch them when she was younger. And that was one scene that every time that, in fact, she would even ask to, to watch it just go back and forth. And uh, last week, I actually, I don't even remember. I, I, oh, I searched frozen. I searched the word frozen on your YouTube channel and found that clip and she was tickled to death. Oh,
2: yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, <clears throat> that I, I'm glad you brought that up because I I like to talk about my days I used to laugh and say that I've drank a, a half a million gallons of Dr. Pepper. Cause I probably did. It was incredible. And I actually talked to Dr. Pepper one time about maybe trying to sponsor what I was doing. And they, of course they didn't want to have anything to do with it, uh, hunting stuff. Right. But, uh, but you know, two years ago I couldn't get out of bed. I was so fat, Steve. I couldn't get out of bed. I weighed 300 pounds. Ooh. Could not cut my toenails. Could. could could not cut my own toenails, miserable. Just and I looked over my wife and I said, "You know, I've been doing some reading, been doing some studying. I'm going to start a diet today, and you may not like me over the next few weeks, but I'm going to take this weight <laughs> off." Yeah, really, I did say that, you know. And in five months, I lost eighty pounds, forty-two inches, and ten pant sizes. Nice, and it changed my
1: Congratulations. life.
2: Congratulations! Ch- it changed my life, and and that's what really spurred the you know we have i have a a streaming channel roger dot com and there's and the and what i did to order to lose all that weight and and keep it off i still weigh the same it's been almost two years i haven't put on an ounce everything about my complete weight loss program is on there and it's in your jaw i showed my daughter my my 33 year old daughter was over here i babysetted Uh, a six and a four year old this afternoon that's why i'm so tired tonight but i showed her some of the testimonies and it we've helped i couldn't tell you how many people already have lost well over 100 pounds on the weight loss program that i put together
1: nice so
2: i'm really really excited about it so if you got you got any you got any people out there that are uh maybe a little bit heavier you know than what they want to be you know that I can, I give you my, we don't take any pills. We don't do any exercise, just eating natural food that you buy at the grocery store. I teach people step-by-step step how to take the weight off and then how to keep it off. So I'm real. I'm extremely proud of it. Ted Nugent called me uh, a few months ago. And Ted said, Roger, he said, what you're doing to help change the lives of all these fat sportsmen. <laughs> you know how Ted <laughs> is, bless his heart, I love him. He said, he said, you're doing a good, you're doing a service to humanity by helping people change their lives and uh, you're doing a good job. So Ted, you know, it, it's, it's kind of caught on and we're, we're, we're doing a lot of really good things, saving the lives of a lot of people. If you want to know the truth, we have some great stories. So I, I have to bring that up. You talk about the Dr. Pepper thing. I don't drink anything now that has sugar in it. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not ever going to do it again.
1: Well, it was a, it was a priceless scene and uh yeah i agree with you you'd never have to wonder what's on ted's mind um he's he's pretty much going to tell you so i told you i was going to try to keep this at an hour and we're actually already a little bit over but i i do want to two things um i'd like to hear what you what you got planned this fall and uh then i'd like to hear you know what uh what have you got in store you know with your with your 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 uh your tv channel and the, the streaming channel um what, what do you, What have you got going forward into into twenty the fall of twenty twenty and twenty twenty one?
2: Well, we're gonna, uh, you know, I, I've already had, I've already had a hunt canceled. We were gonna go. I have three grandsons that live in Branson, uh, Branson, Brownsville, Texas, and uh, even though it's just across the line, it, it's eight hundred miles from Tulsa. <laughs> it's a long ways down, but we were gonna go down there and see them. And uh, gonna go, going and on the way back, stop and do a hog hunt in Texas. And one of the people down there had COVID, so we had to cancel that. So I've already had, I canceled my, I was gonna fly to Maine and do a bear hunt in September. That was canceled. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of tuck pulling my ears in a little bit, and I'm I'm gonna kind of just stick with the going to the places that I know well. I know the people that are gonna be there and uh and gonna i'm gonna kick the season off uh bow season opens up in texas i'll be out on the texas oklahoma border in the panhandle gonna start out there bow hunting got a youth rifle season here gonna take my 15 year old granddaughter and my seven year old grandson take him on his first deer hunt and then go go to northern missouri i do that every year and uh uh, go go back down to South Texas. I've got a couple of deals down there. And of course, if, if we, if they open up the borders, going to go into Mexico and do our wounded, uh, our wounded soldiers hunt down there. So I've, I've got a pretty busy schedule, but I've, uh, it, it's, it's maybe not quite as busy as it normally we, would be because I'm just kind of being careful with the COVID thing. This thing's far from over, you know, and, uh, and and it's going to affect our schedule. It's going to affect everyone's lives and everybody's schedule, uh, a little bit. So I'm I'm just kind of kind of waiting and seeing on some things. So that's kind of what my my deal this fall is. A, a lot of a little bit of wait and see, so to speak. Yes, yeah, The just COVID
1: get... things. The COVID thing's been bad. I had a hunt canceled for June. I was supposed to hunt black bear in Canada. And that got canceled, and then the guy I was supposed to be hunting with on that hunt was supposed to be hunting moose Um, coming up here in the next, I guess, in the next month or so, and his got canceled too. So that it's it's, it's messing with a lot of people's hunting plans.
2: My wife lost her aunt and uncle to COVID in February. Oh, really? They died a week apart. And uh, so, you know, when it strikes close to home, you realize that even though most people survive and that it only hits a small percentage, you know, in the scheme of things, it still can be a killer. And uh, it was sad because, you know, we, we didn't get to tell them goodbye. And then w- there was no funeral. They died and they literally buried them two days later. It was just over with. And then my son, our oldest son lives in Phoenix, Arizona. He and his girlfriend have it right now as we speak. And they're home. They're doing good, uh, but you know they're having some issues. They're having breathing issues, so they're kind of monitoring themselves pretty close. So it, you know, it uh, it it is a real deal. It is a real deal, and and I, you you can't be too careful. Uh, everybody, just be careful out there. Wear your mask and wash your hands a lot, and uh, be mindful of uh, where you go and what you do, and because you you know you don't want this thing to, you know it it when it hits close when you have someone close to you lose their life then you'll you'll take it a little bit more serious when when that happens so so everybody everybody just be careful just be careful and mindful that this thing is it, and is far from over it's it's we're gonna have to just weigh this thing out and and uh and tr- trust that the lord's gonna help help us hopefully get through it i got it's i in my nightly prayers on my knees i ask god to the families that it has touched you know the people's lives who've lost their jobs or out of work wondering how they're going to make you know uh, uh, i my, my, be mindful of how it has affected the lives of so many millions of people and uh uh keep everybody in your thoughts and prayers and try to be safe as you can
1: wise words buddy thank you and i hope uh I hope the the extent that it's going to affect you and your family have already been reached. So, um, I've been I've been very lucky. I don't I don't I honestly can't tell you I know of a single person that is that has been impacted directly by COVID. I mean, other than you know the way everything was shut down and and potentially affecting their jobs and so forth. But as far as I don't know, I don't know anyone that's actually contracted it. So, I'm really sorry to hear that for you
2: yeah well most people that i've talked to are shocked when they you know i start telling them and, and my wife had a classmate now she graduated from a very large high school in tulsa but she had a classmate die so so it yeah we we're, we're a little bit more sensitive to it than the average person and no and many many or most people i talk to well they they don't know of anybody that's ever even had it so but yeah. it's out there it's out there and and uh and don't uh, don't just thumb your. It's not something you just thumb your nose at. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who. I don't know how it got started. And, but let's uh, let's try to let's try to get get through, through and over the thing. It has impacted the lives of so many people, so many people.
1: Very, very true. Very true, man. Well, um, you mentioned your streaming channel, anything, anything else you got going on you wanted to bring up real quick before we wrap this thing up?
2: Well, it my, my yeah. Oh, thank you. I, 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 I don't, I'm, I'm extremely proud. We have an app that there's hunting stuff on there too. It has a bunch of the old BKS videos, uh, including the, uh, the, the Dr. Pepper scene <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, it's got a lot of hunting scenes. And my, all, all my morning coffees are available on my streaming channel. Now, it is a subscription-based channel. But there are things that are free. And we have an app, Roger Raglan Channel, whether you have an app, Apple or Google, uh, an Android or an Apple phone, download the Roger Raglan Channel. You punch that into your phone, and it'll pull it up. And it's free, free download. Download the app. And all my morning coffees, there's there's dozens of them. They're they're free to watch on there. Morning coffees are free. There are a lot of things on the channel that are free, but to see to get to see everything, it, it's it is a it's nine ninety five a month. It, there is a, but it's month to month. You can quit whenever you want. You know, go in there and take a look around. I'm extremely proud of the of the channel, what we've been able to do, and and uh, it grows every day, growing growing every day, and we're changing people's lives the way they. Eat. But, but then. People that want to watch a lot of the old Roger Ragnar stuff, hey, it's it's on the channel as well. So there's lots there to see.
1: Well, I'm gonna have to check it out myself and I will be sure to put a link uh, to that in the in the show notes for this episode yeah, goes yeah, live too. Yeah, Roger.
2: absolutely, absolutely.
1: So I got one last question. Okay. Um, and and this one's uh I, I I would try I would say try to keep it to five minutes or less if you can. Okay. Um, if you had one piece of advice to give an aspiring whitetail hunter today, what would it be? I kind of pulled that one on you, didn't I?
2: Well, I, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I, I try to, I try to tell I, I like to consider, my just like my weight loss plan, it's common sense. I, I, I think we get away from common sense in our deer hunting sometimes. And uh, I try to tell guys to, to think out of the box just a little bit. Uh, most guys just want to be successful. They just want to be successful. And in order to, you know, great, great video... great successful whitetail hunts generally take place on great pieces of property. And uh, if you'll just think out of the box and if you've got a great big piece of property that's got posted signs all over it and and hasn't been hunted for years, it just makes sense. There's probably, you know, if it's deer, deer country, you know, it makes sense. There's probably, Bunch of deer on there. They're not hunting them. They're not shooting them. Good habitat. you know. Well, next door to it, you know, uh, get permission to go over there and hunt. Maybe just 20, 30 acres. But get up next to a piece of property where there's a bunch of deer and get just right as close to that fence line as you can. <laughs> and when that deer jumps over the fence, make sure he jumps over the fence, you know. If you're in the state of Georgia, do you... Steve, do you know who that deer belongs to? In the state, of do you know who deer who who deer that deer belongs to?
1: The deer belongs to everybody.
2: The deer belongs to the state of Georgia. <laughs> that's a Georgia deer. Yeah, that George that yeah that that deer belongs to. That's a that's a Georgia grown deer, and I don't care, you know, what the guy on that prop, what kind of property he's got, when he jumps over that fence over there where you're hunting me. Hey, you got a tag, it's your turn to shoot him, you know, and I think that that's, that's the best advice I can give anybody in your deer hunting. If, if, if you want a chance to maybe shoot a bigger deer, you know, find big block, you know, there are state parks, you know, in Kentucky, there are horse ranches all over the country. There's these great, big, beautiful pieces of property where there's no hunting. They don't allow any hunting, hate hunters, you know, uh, well, uh, and there's a little property right next to it. Get permission, go over there. And if it's legal, put out some deer lure, put out some deer scent, put out some deer attractant, whatever, you know, and then hunt it, yeah. you know, and and wait, never shoot. I've never, never shot across fence line in my entire life. Passed up a 200 inch typical one time because he was standing on the wrong side of the fence and I refused to shoot across the fence. But he jumps over that fence, <laughs> shoot
1: him. <laughs> You used to say the same thing about public about public land, and that's something that, uh, well, I've, I know I've done it. And I've actually heard other people talking about seeing that or hearing that from your videos as well. Of uh, you know, a lot of people, and I'm, I'm I'm the same way. A lot of times on public land, I'll go I'll go deep. I want to get away from everybody. Um, but a lot can be said for for hunting the the borders. You know, let me let me. And, you know. I got
2: to tell you a real quick real quick story. Let me tell you a real quick story, please. I'm sitting here. This been hadn't been that long. Yeah, it six, seven years ago now, probably. A guy called me. He goes, "Hey, I'm so and so. I live here in Coweta. I live in Koweda, Oklahoma." He goes, "I live here. I'm from. I live here in Coweta." I said, "Oh, okay." He said, "I drew an Optima refuge tag." Now, there's two or three. You know, probably Georgia has. Them. Most states have these special drawings on refuges, and you know. That they give out a certain amount of permits on these private, you know, state-owned property, and that, 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 right. And Optima is one of the best in the state. Way out, I've driven by it a million times. It's way out in the panhandle of western Oklahoma, which is where the best deer hunting is. this it's a big open country, but it's, there's some toads. It's it's Kansas deer living in Oklahoma mm-hmm. is what I tell people. Right. And uh, I said, oh man, that's a, that you you. And I think they had twenty permits for the refuge. He, he goes, I, I, I got what? What? I drew a rifle. I got a rifle permit. uh, uh Second week in November, I said, "Boy, I said, congratulations." He goes, he goes, uh, well, what do you think? Have you ever hunted? I said, "Well, no, I've been by it." I said, "I have." He goes, "Well, I, I, I get to go two weeks before the hunt. I, the, I get to go out there and and look it over." And I said, "Okay, yeah, well." I said, you can do that, and it, it really is. It's big open country. I said, well, are you gonna be able to, because I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go. It's a long way, it's six hours from Tulsa. And I said, well, I said, I'm gonna give you just, a, this is what I would do. You call me, I'm just, this is what I would do. I said, you got 20 guys, it's not a big refuge. its I think it's only 1,100 acres. I said, well, I said, it's not a great big refuge and it's big it's big open country. I said, I'll tell you what most of these guys are gonna do. These other they're gonna run in where there's where the timber is, they're gonna that's where they're all gonna to run to. I said, and they're gonna stir and they're kick and they're going and I said, when these deer get kicked up out in that country, they run a long ways out across those prairies. I said, I would go down there. When you go through the gate, they're on the right side. I said, I know for a fact that butts up against a bunch a bunch of it's all private land anyway. I said I would go down. I'd get me a chair. I would get a chair, and I would get down there at daylight, walk down that fence line, You just get out there up against that fence line to the private land. I said, it's wide open. You'll be able to shoot 500 yards. And I don't, I'm don't. not telling you to shoot 500. I said, but you'll be able. And I would just sit there. I'd just sit there all day, take you a little something, nibble on, drink. And that's, that's what I would do if I were you. Because they're going to push them deer out of there, and them deer are going to come out across that prairie. And you can watch them. You could even move, cut the distance. I said, that's what I would do. Oh, you thought? I, I said, now that's your, you do what you want. I forgot about it. And it was end of January, you know, the phone rang. And it was that guy, he goes, hey, remember me? I said, oh yeah. I said, how'd you do? He goes, oh, I didn't shoot nothing. No, I never, I never even saw a shooter. I was really disappointed. I said, well, well, I'm sorry to hear that. He goes, boy, there was one big buck killed. I said there was. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know where he killed him? I said, well, no. How would he goes? He goes, you go through that out there. He was up against the fence out there in a wide opening, and he was sitting in a chair. And this, and he was a bit. I've never seen a buck that. And I I just said, I I, I need to go. Thanks for calling. I just hung up. (laughs) I said, well, some people never learn, you know.
1: What's that old saying? You can lead a horse.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but I was giving him some good advice. I'll tell you, I was giving him some good advice. I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but i I'm a, I'm a firm believer in hunting fence lines, you know, hunting fence lines up, you get up against property. That's great, great pieces of property, man. Especially when the rut hits Steve, you know, when the rut hits, Man alive, the, the biggest buck in the world will be over five miles and the next day he'd jump, jump, he'd be right there in front of you, you know. But if you want to kill bigger deer, you got to go where there are some, you know, and big, big chunks of private posted property or state parks or what, like it don't make any difference. I'm not telling you to hunt on there and I'm sure to, to, don't ever shoot across the fence, but they jump over that fence, you got a chance to kill something, you know, and, and sometimes something big.
1: It's all about being in the right place at the right time
2: that's right right
1: well roger i have had an absolute blast i really really appreciate you taking a an hour and well now an hour and a half out of your out of your day to to spend with me um i think you know i think people really going to enjoy it i hope they do but thank you so much for coming on the no, show. no
2: thank man. you i enjoyed it enjoyed it you know we'll we'll let's, let's do it again sometime
1: would love to. You ever get back down here to, to the Atlanta area? You're gonna have to hit me up ahead of time. We'll, uh, if the COVID's still around, we'll don our face mask We'll we'll have a cup of coffee or something somewhere.
2: Yeah. Well, no offense, but I want to avoid Atlanta as much as I can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you and me both. I'm 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 uh, about 45 minutes from it, and I avoid it like the plague. Yeah. I, I I have no desire to spend downtown. But again, if you're in the area, it's okay. a big area. So all right, we'll do. Well, for everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've really enjoyed this. Uh, Stay tuned either next week or the week after Nick and I are going to get back together and wrap up our uh, on the ground challenge discussion and hopefully get some people out there uh, trying to be successful on the ground this fall. Until next time, take care, everyone.